0: This episode is brought to you by Intercom. In a digital world, customers demand more, especially from support. Intercom enables businesses to connect with their customers at exactly the right moment using powerful messaging and automation. Scale your customer service without additional investment while still providing efficient and personal customer experiences. Welcome to a whole new way to support your customers. Eligible startups get advanced Intercom features at a 95% discount. Visit intercom.com forward slash traction. That's dot com forward slash T-R-A-C-T-I-O-N.
1: If you're mountain biking down a hill, you don't look at the cliff. You don't look at the rock. You look at where you're going, right? And you focus on doing that in the best way possible. Because if you look at the cliff, you're probably gonna go down the cliff. If you look at the rock, you're probably gonna hit the rock, right? It's the same thing with throwing a ball, right? You gotta make sure you're pointing at where you wanna go because if you point it somewhere else, that's where you're gonna throw the ball. So I think for me, I just never focused on obstacles. I never spent any time thinking about, well, I'm a woman, I can't be a CEO. I just didn't and I don't know why, maybe my parents taught me not to think that way but I always just focused on performing and doing a really good job at whatever I was doing and not letting the obstacles deter me from what I wanted to Don't look at the cliff or the rock look at where you're going and do an awesome job and the opportunities will be there for you i need some traction you need some traction let's get some traction
0: Hey, what's up, innovators, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and disruptors? This is your Traction Podcast host, Lloyd Lobo. We're a community of over 100,000 people, just like yourself, on a mission to help you get the methods, the money, and the madness to explode your business growth, featuring stories and tactical advice straight from those who've done it before, like Shopify, Twilio, Asana, and many more.
2: Welcome, Stacey.
1: Thank you. They all think you're the Freshworks Yeah, employee. I tell you,
2: it's not me. I'm here to speak to Stacy, who's used to kind of pioneer the journey at Freshworks. Stacey, you have a, an extremely impressive resume, global CMO of the year, top 50 women in SaaS, elected or voted to that position. You've been CEO of Jason Green funded company, Jason Green from Emergence, one of the premier SaaS investors in the space, CEO of that company, now CMO of a global public company. Also, you've kicked butt on the soccer field all-conference soccer player and now kicking butt in the corporate world. right? So I'm really looking forward to this discussion. You've written extensively about why you chose to go to Freshworks, right? And it's the journey that they underwent and how they managed to get the team in place that got you excited about the opportunity. You could have gone anywhere. So please talk to us a little bit about what that journey was like, how they built that early team and got somebody like yourself interested to join them at the stage they were at.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the compliments. I'll start by maybe asking a question of the audience. How many of you heard of Freshworks before today or you saw it on the agenda? Not that many, not that surprising. A lot of that is why I joined. So we were founded in Chennai, India a little over 10 years ago by a product manager who said there's got to be a better way to build customer service software that's more focused on the journey of the user or the agent, the person that's trying to solve the problems. Um, and he started a company called fresh desk and really PLG before PLG was a thing. It was all based on just capturing demand. People are looking for something different. People are looking to solve problems, kind of an SMB focused. Just inbound, get them in, get them into the trial, show them how easy it easy to use, cost effective, yet modern were the principles of the company that are still the principle today. And it was give the people what they want. If you build it, they will come and they did. And so it was just build on that and built a really thriving business out of Chennai, India that no one really heard of because it was just, a am going to find it in Google search and it's, I'm going to start using it and good freemium model, good free trial model. But, of course, over time, you have 100% plus year-over-year year growth every year. You add products. Eventually, Sequoia and Excel, your backers say, Dude, you got you got to move to, move to North America, to the Bay Area, and put this thing on steroids. And that's what he did, our founder, Garish. So he moved to the Bay Area about three years ago from Chennai and really started building out an executive team there, really in prep to go public, but also to layer on an outbound motion and a direct sales force. I, the last session was talking a little bit about when do you do that? When do you grow up market? And for me, I had been the first marketer at success factors and took that through the IPO. I had been the first marketer at ServiceMax, and I had done a lot of that growth from one or 2 million through to a good liquidity event. I had never done the, okay start now at the IPO. I started six months before our IPO and grow it into a a multi-billion dollar revenue company. And I asked the question about our brand because I think still given how big we are and you know, now a four or $5 billion public company, still, unless you're in India where people like ask you for selfies because Freshworks is like the favorite company around the rest of the world, people still don't know it. And so for me, the opportunity to Build the brand and help get the word out about what freshworks is the value we are a multi-product company we are now really effectively selling not only to smbs but also to mid-market and enterprise and so just an exciting new challenge for me
2: and there's so much to unpack in there. so many insights that the founders in the audience can take away so one that immediately comes to mind in, in my previous gig i was cto of a public company that was global in orientation Running a team that's global, right, the challenging part is it's always middle of the day somewhere in the world, and you've got teams all over, what does a typical day in the life look like? Like, how do you guys do planning? How do you guys run your meetings? How do you do one-on-ones? What's, what have you come to learn about running an organization at this scale, and what does that typically look like for you?
1: Yeah, it's been a very big transition, especially for Freshworks. And I I was listening to the Atlassian conversation and, of course, the Zapier, like, always been remote. And that was not the case for Freshworks. Freshworks had very much an in. We have... Uh, let's see, upwards of almost 4,000 people in Chennai still. And people were going in the office every day, staying late. It was, that was who we were. And then the pandemic hit. And then throw in the fact that CEO moved to the Bay Area. We now have executives across the world. I came in during the pan, actually, our CFO, our CRO, myself, we all started during the pandemic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And... It has not been easy. I think when you have that remote culture already and you can really endure the pandemic, but everybody in India is a different place to be working from home. Not everybody has the same type of home. A lot of people have multi-generational families living at home with them, right? So you don't necessarily have reliable Wi-Fi everywhere. Right. So it, we had a lot of those issues. Our offices are all back open and we're doing kind of a hybrid now. Then throw in it's 10:30 in the morning here 11 p.m at night there so the amount of time that you're like that us india it's like i go from 6 a.m till about 10 and then most of my team is asleep wow. and that book ended day became hard too for everybody they're like you can't sustain that you can't get on at six and then be expected to get on again at 7 p.m until because you just you're exhausted So we had to put some rules in, like we do morning meetings for North America, nighttime for India, which they like to come in later. So some of those things that like keeps that, the vibe going, and just, I think, lots of one-on-ones and all hands and some of the other principles that companies like Atlassian had always done, we had to put it in place to keep it going.
2: And then as you're thinking about regional teams or local teams, do you try to divide it based on the team that's, focus on a particular geography, is that so that's the team that's gonna do it? And if so, how do you get commonality across the organization? How yeah. do you keep that thread consistent across the org?
1: We are a multi-product company. We have s- numerous products, and we, we have a pretty BU or business unit centric model. And as we incubate new products, they almost start as, like, little independent startups. And because they've started that way, there's usually a very strong cross-functional team. So, like, product marketing is under me, but the product marketing teams are very tightly organized as part of the business units. So the fresh desk team and the fresh service team and the fresh sales team, they all have their squad. And so we have this concept of, of teams like the product marketing team who has a product marketing leader who works for me, but they also are part of their squad, which is their business unit where they have shared goals and KPIs and, they really, and a lot of them are in one location together. So it helps to have that kind of a setup for us
2: got it and advice for founders in the audience right in the early days of companies you're focused maniacally on going from zero to one you've got one particular customer segment that you'll zero in on with one product and the goal is to get ideally to double digit millions in that product before you even start thinking about either a different customer segment a different sales motion a different geography Freshworks, more than pretty much most has decided to have multiple products in multiple segments with multiple kind of to market motions. And it's, these are not small segments, right? You've got a hundred plus billion dollar competitors in some segments in the M side, for example, there's HR that's recently launched, IT services that's launched. Please walk me through or walk us through what was the decision process there? How did you decide what product comes next? And how do you build in the org to take that on and if, do this effectively and not give up captured ground, get too distracted, suffer because of gluttony, things
1: like that? Yeah. One of the other things that really attracted me to Freshworks is this notion of building software and having a shared set of vision and principles about how you build software. And we joke on the marketing team, it started our CEO's broken TV story where he was moving and his TV broke and he couldn't get the moving company to do anything about it. But it wasn't because it, he built a relationship with the agent who was trying to help him, but the agent couldn't do anything about it because he didn't have the right school- tools to help G. His name's Garish, we call him G. And he, that's where he was like, there's gotta be a better way that I can help these agents. And what that turned into was our really strong principle around the user. And um, I think a lot of big enterprise software companies focus on the buyer, right? Which might be the CFO, it might be the procurement guy, it might be the VP of the division who says, I need these broad, deep set of features. I've got my 45 page RFP and I wanna make sure I've got the top right of the Gartner quadrant and that's how I make my buying decision and all of us leaders are gonna vote on which product we want. And meanwhile, you got the agent who's, "I, I. Please don't give me another piece of software that has 80 different fields just because you want to capture all that data. I just want to solve the problem. So having that view of what does the user need, and we've stayed true to that. And I think it's been a big part of our success is thinking about the user and not the buyer. And it especially works in in smaller businesses and mid-market businesses. Obviously, as you're selling to enterprises, which we do now too, you, you are selling to a CIO, so you have to straddle it. And But I think our growth strategy has been more of a pull versus a push. I mean, we built Freshdesk, which was for customer service. Then we found that a lot of companies, IT teams, were like, hey, this is a really awesome system. I'm gonna use that for my internal help desk too. And and then they started asking for features that were unique to their need. And so we said, okay, let's build fresh service, which is built for internal IT. When you're selling customer service software, you're going to naturally have the salespeople and the marketing people saying, I want to... I'm marketing and selling to these same customers. I want to know what's going on in the, it's the natural evolution to CRM. Our latest sort of incubator product is Fresh Team, which is HR, which is, okay, I know who all my customers are and I know everything about them. Why couldn't I use that same model to know about my employees and have my good employee record? It hasn't necessarily been a, hey, what's the next hot market? It's been more about what are our customers asking for as the next thing they wanna see us build? And they like the way we build products, so we get pulled in 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 the, those directions.
2: Amazing, and speaking of product, most of, at least from what we see at Floodgate, most entrepreneurs either come up the product side of the house or the technology side of the house, right? In a few cases, you've got some go-to-market or people, but marketing tends to be one of the things that, you know, and in some cases, naively, just assume that, look, take my vision and help me get leads and qualified leads that my salespeople can sell to. But it's also been said that marketing's too important to be left to the marketing team alone. So as given that you've been first marketing exec at several companies that have grown dramatically, how should founders think about that, that first marketing hire, that first exec? How do you like tactically think about it? And then strategically, what should a great marketer do when he or she gets
1: involved in a company? It is the most common question I get asked. I was just asked it last week and I do, I agree. I think a lot of times people are starting companies with a very strong product background and then they're like, oh, I think I need marketing for some reason. Tell me what I sh- what that should look like. And I usually like to turn that around to what are your overall, what do you think you need? What are your overall company goals and are you hitting them? Um, there's no one single point in time where now is the time to have a CMO. Everybody gets there at a different time. I will say the sooner you can have a really great marketing leader, you should take a really great marketing leader because it of, it absolutely propels the brand and the business forward from the get-go. But I think um, to give a succinct answer here, it's usually more like a 30-minute conversation of lots of que- asking questions – but there's a variety of things that marketing does. Marketing, if you look at product marketing, helps really craft the positioning and the messaging and the value proposition of who the company is. That's not really a marketing thing. That's something that as a founder, you should be doing. But you sh- if you have a great partner that's like listening to you and understanding and then turning that into okay what are our differentiators and really defining it and making sure the whole company's on board with it making sure that everything you're telling the market or a reporter it's like your partner in making that real for the company and some founders don't need that partner and if you don't need that partner maybe you don't need a brand or product positioning oriented person there's demand gen right? There's, I, my pipeline's not going fast enough. Maybe you're PLG and it's all happening in the product. And maybe you just need a growth marketer, right? So maybe you don't need demand gen. But I think when you can really articulate what are your needs from the business, from your marketing team, that's when you go out and you find those people. Maybe right now all you really need is a great head of product marketing, or maybe you need a great head of comms, or maybe you need a really amazing web experience team because you really want to automate that PLG customer journey. When you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I need all of those things, that's probably when you need a CMO.
2: Got it, and then in in Freshworks' case, You guys started out as PLG and then eventually made the shift to going into more of a sales effort, direct sales to get to customers. That's a transition that a lot of companies will have to make. Most companies these days are starting out bottoms up selling the, and Atlassian to some degree has taken that pretty much to the extreme, if you may, very successfully. How have you seen founders navigate that journey or entrepreneurs or companies navigate that effectively to decide that, look, now is the time to start bringing on essentially executives and org building the muscle that you may not intuitively have and you've not had thus far.
1: Yeah. And I think, again, I think there's two ways that happens. If you look at a company like a Salesforce, they really started as an SMB company. I remember when they started and people didn't believe in the cloud. And so they could only sell to small companies because no big company would ever do that. But they made a very decided decision to move up market. And now, of course, they're mostly at market, right? They s and B is an afterthought for them. But that was like that was something Benioff wanted to do. His Oracle heritage took him there. They built a direct sales force from day one. Also, PLG didn't exist then, right? We were again more of the pull. So what started happening is we started realizing that when we would talk to mid-market companies, they didn't necessarily want a trial as their first step in the journey because maybe they're a committee they're not one person maybe the person doing the research and figuring out who which vendors isn't the person that would even do a trial and so they were falling out for us and so we realized no they want a sales cycle they want a demo they might want a customized demo Mm -hmm. they want to engage with us a little bit more before they try the product and so as we started seeing more of them coming to us we started building those motions in response and now we really have both we have inbound plg which for the most part, is our SMB motion, and we have outbound direct sales, mid market, and enterprise. Which, you know, sometimes you get an enterprise coming through PLG. Sometimes you get an SMB that right. ends up with the sales team. And but for the most part, that's how it works for us. It's pretty successful.
2: You've done so much for women looking to rise into leadership positions, into the C-suite, into the CEO seat. On that and you've, you've successfully done it both as a CEO and a CMO. What advice would you give women early in their career who, are, who have aspirations to rise into the CEO, CMO, other C-level kind of roles
1: in the org? Second most common question I get. And again, a very I think in retrospect on my own career, I've looked back at what did I do, and I don't know, do you mountain- b-
2: Try to stay right. upright as much as well, I can. I understand the
1: great. concept. If you're mountain biking down a hill, you don't look at the cliff, you don't look at the rock, you look at where you're going, right? And you focus on doing that in the best way possible. Because if you look at the cliff, you're probably gonna go down the cliff. If you look at the rock, you're probably gonna hit the rock, right? It's the same thing with throwing a ball, right? You gotta make sure you're pointing at where you wanna go because if you point it somewhere else, that's where you're gonna throw the ball. So I think for me, I just never focused on obstacles. I never spent any time thinking about, well, I'm a woman, I can't be a CEO. I just didn't and I don't know why, maybe my parents taught me not to think that way but I always just focused on performing and doing a really good job at whatever I was doing and not letting the obstacles deter me from what I wanted to Don't look at the cliff or the rock look at where you're going and do an awesome job and the opportunities will be there for you.
2: Right. As it has been for you. So
0: congratulations so
2: Thank you, folks. Thank
1: you.
0: Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Traction Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review and you can find all the information mentioned in today's episode at tractioncoff.io. That's T-R-A. CTION CONF.io. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. No one done some silly shit. Focused on the tech stack. Thinking it was brilliant.